0: What is your greatest need whenever you encounter difficulty in life? What is your greatest need when you encounter difficulty in your life? Have you ever been in that space where you have needed someone from outside the situation to step in and take care of business for you? To take care and solve your problem, to come in and do something about your situation? Have you ever made that had that cry? It, it reminds me of the cry of a child. And if you've been a parent, I am not a parent yet, but I do work with children, and my day job is a, a, a in education. And, and children will let you know when they need something. Uh, I'm sure the parent has heard that cry, Daddy, Mommy. Daddy! Mommy! It's the desperate cry of a child in need of help. It's the desperate cry of someone who recognizes and realizes we are in a desperate situation and we need divine intervention. I I need the help of someone outside of myself to solve the problem that is before me. This morning as we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent, we come to a passage with the global church following the church calendar. In the book of Isaiah chapter 64, where we find the children of Israel, through their prophet, crying out, crying out to God, crying out to God for the remedy of their situation. They found themselves in exile. They found themselves um, in in a situation where a foreign power had overtaken them. And so in their desperation, in their struggle, in their bondage, uh, they were crying out, Oh, God! Oh, God! Would you come and help us? See, things were getting desperate in the land. Things were getting desperate for the children of Israel. And we read about it at the end of 64 that where they, 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 they tell what they were feeling. Verse 10. Your holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and beautiful temple where our fathers praised you is burned up with fire. And all our pleasant things are laid waste. Things were getting bad in Israel it necessitated a cry. They knew they needed divine intervention. They needed divine intervention. And so they cried out. Let's read in Isaiah 64, the cry. Their cry, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down that the mountains might shake at your presence, as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, the mountains shook at your presence, for since the beginning of the world, Men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you, who acts for the one who waits for him. Notice the cry, the cry that was filling the mouths of the prophet of Israel. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. See their situation with their cities and their lands and the temple necessitated divine intervention. And the desolation of their land led them into a place of desperation where they began to cry out to God. Where their cry went up before him, God, we need you to step down and do something. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The picture here is, is of God, that he would rip open the skies and step down from heaven and step down into the situation and desolation that they were struggling with. Oh, that you would step down and reveal yourself. It, really, this whole passage is about a revelation. It's about a God stepping down from heaven into the situation, being faced, by His people, it's a cry for a revelation. It's a cry for an intervention. It's a it's a cry for 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 a resolution. God, would you step down? God, would you step in? God, would you deal with the bondage and the desperation and the situation that we find ourselves in? They were looking for a divine intervention. But it was something supernatural that they craved. Look at it here. That the mountains might shake at your presence. As the fire burns brushwood. As the fire causes water to boil. To make your name known to your adversaries. That the nations may tremble at your presence. Now the the prophet here is pulling back on the history of Israel. He's pulling back on the history of Israel where in the past God had made himself known on Sinai and when the presence of God came in Sinai it came and made the mountains tremble and it came with fire and smoke and the glory that flooded that mountain when the divine presence manifested from heaven and spoke and manifested to Moses it was a divine, supernatural encounter with the presence of God and it was something that all the world <laughs> the world knew that it was there was something going on it's for that kind of manifestation it's for that kind of intervention God would you tear open the heavens and come down in fire and glory just as you did before would you tear open the heavens and manifest yourself just as you have in the past and notice too in the past that revelation came following a great deliverance they had seen the mighty hand and outstretched arm of God that had reached into Israel and Pulled them out and brought them into the promised land. And here they are once again asking and crying out, God, would you rend the heavens once again? Reach down your hand and do something. For our cities are desolate. Our lands are desolate. The temple, it's a bad situation. God, would you step down and do something? See, they knew a God who could do things that they couldn't even fathom. But they wanted a God, they wanted God to do something that would reveal His glory to the nations. Look at it here: to make your name known to our adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. They had seen God move before. They had seen God move before. They had seen God do supernatural things before. And they knew that the nations would tell the stories of how supernatural God had done supernatural things for them. And so they are crying out. Their cry here is for that sort of a divine intervention. The same way that God moved in Egypt. The same way that God manifested on Sinai. That, that sort of deliverance would they come and, and, and remedy their situation and the bible they they knew The Bible here records that they knew that God did things that were beyond their capacity to understand. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, uh, nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God beside you. The the idea here is revelation. They were crying for a divine revelation from heaven that would be a remedy to their situation. See, sometimes, sometimes in your desolation, your greatest need is a cry for revelation. Sometimes when you're looking at the desolation all around you, the, the thing you need the most is a revelation of who God is. Church, if there's anything our world needs right now, it's a revelation of God. It's a revelation of who God is. It's a revelation that would shake the nations. A revelation that God would rend the heavens and step down and do something about the desolation and the struggle and the bondage and the situation that we would find ourselves in. Much like the people of Israel. Our, the nations and the, of the world are, are facing similar types of situations today with the coronavirus lockdowns and, and all of the struggles of the pandemic. But you know what the answer is? The answer this Advent season is for a revelation from heaven. The answer this morning and the answer for this season, the answer that this celebration of Advent brings to us, the answer that it, that it brings is is divine revelation from heaven. The answer that we need in our lives, the answer that we need in our world, the answer that we need in our cities, our neighborhoods, in our towns, in our homes, is a divine revelation of God. That God would rend the heavens tear open the heavens and step down into the mess to begin to deal with the situation that we are seeing. Because only God can do that. Only our God can do that. Notice, he says here that no other, no eye has seen, no ears heard, uh, any other God but you. There there are no other gods that can manifest their power like our God. There are no other gods that can step down and do something about our situation like our God. This is a requirement that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the God in the flesh, Jesus Christ would step down and do something about the, the situation of his people. That was their cry. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. But see that there was a problem here, because notice, notice that the cry for revelation here is a recognition that God manifests himself to a certain kind of people. With the end of verse four, who acts for the one who waits for him? You and in verse five, you meet with him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. Only. Think of meeting with God. The, the idea of a, meet, a meeting with God. You meet, the, the prophet knows, you meet with him who remembers you. You meet with him who acts righteously. You meet with him who, who, um, remembers your ways, who waits for you, who rejoices and does righteousness. That's who God meets with. And what they're crying for is a meeting with a mighty God. But only a certain kind of people can meet with a mighty God. The psalmist says, you know, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? who can go into his holy presence he was clean hands and a pure heart it's the same idea here it's the, the righteousness and the faith and the, the the holiness and the the remembrance and the, the type of life that is required for a man to meet with a mighty god that 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 is it is something being brought out here yes we cry for your deliverance yes we cry for your revelation yes we cry for your intervention we cry cry knowing that you meet with them that are righteous that wait for you that remember your ways you meet with those who have clean hands and a pure heart but see the cry then leads into uh, the condition because sometimes our condition brings limitation or seemingly in our minds, how many of you could say, you know, that's great, Pastor Jake, that, that God meets with those who are, do righteously and, and, and remember Him and, and wait for Him. But if you're like me, too many times that's not us. Too many times, rather than wait for God, we rush to do our own way. Too many times, rather than to do righteously, we actually do unrighteousness. And we sin. Too many times, instead of remembering God's ways, we remember our own ways and do our own thing. And that's the condition, and that's the condition of Israel. And the the prophet now laments. He, he he recognizes and cries for divine intervention. But but as he as he's crying for divine intervention, as he sees the and cries for a revelation of of God to see him as he is. He he's brought face to face with his own human condition. We see it there in sixty four, verse five. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways, we continue, and we need to be saved. See, there's a problem. There's a problem, because though we can cry for a divine intervention, our condition brings a problem into this equation. the God can't meet with those who are sinful like us. God, we know you meet with those who do righteousness. We know you meet with those who um, who wait for you. God, we know you meet with those who 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 um who put uh, remember your ways. But but God, what about us? Because the reality is, we are sinful people. Indeed, you are angry, for we have sinned. And in these ways we continue. It's not just that we sin. Once we are a sinful people, this is the the deep core of depravity that has infected the human race. And and as this man, is, uh, the prophet, is crying for help and crying out to God, he's not face to face with his condition because he realizes that in the midst of his need, he is in a condition that he can't meet with the mighty God. Indeed, God is, he says, it's angry with him because you have sinned. See, we come face to face with the reality of human sin. Isaiah says in another place, Behold, your sins have separated you from your God. The reality of sin is that it breaks the relationship between humanity and God. And and the reality of the condition of humanity is, is that God is here and we are here and the sin has created a gulf. It has created a break in the relationship indeed a gulf of separation between God and His people. And, and sin then makes it impossible for, for for humanity to meet with a mighty God. Though our, though our situation leads us to cry for divine intervention, our condition militates against the very thing we need. For God cannot dwell among a sinful people. God cannot dwell among those who don't have clean hands and a pure heart. And, and that's the reality of the great divide here. Even their good things were tainted, verse six, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags, even their best things were tainted, and the picture here of a filthy rag not to be crass or cruel or or, or over the top, but the picture here, the word picture that Isaiah uses to to explain the the uncleanness of of even their righteousness is that of a, of a menstrual rag, a, a rag that a woman would use like a tampon. And so he's saying, even our righteousness, even the good things that we do, it's, it's like a dirty tampon to you. They were so infected with sin. They were so infected with this this disease called sin. Uh, David said, "Behold, in sin did my mother conceive me. I was behold, I was formed in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me." Because uh, we all have this condition where sin so desperately infects us that even our works of righteousness are like a bloody tampon, unacceptable in God's sight. All our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Their sins, their iniquities, have actually carried them away and brought them to the place where they are. They they, they realize their condition. And here's the thing interesting. Notice their iniquities have carried them where they are. They were in exile. God had punished them for their sin and their iniquity by sending them into exile. And the reality of their life was they were now reaping what they had sown. They had, now, they had lived a life of sin. They were still living a life of sin. And that sin had brought them into bondage and into a position where they were not living in the fullness of what God had for them. That was why their land was destroyed. The temple was um, destroyed and, and their condition was as it was. Their sin had separated them from the life that God had for them. It separated them from their God. They weren't living in relationship with Him. It was so bad that there was no one, verse 7, There was no one who calls on your name, who stirs up himself uh, to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and consumed us because of our iniquities. They were in a desperate condition. And though they were crying for help, it was a desperation in their condition that militated against the very meeting with God that they needed. They needed to meet with God, but God met with those who remembered Him. God met with those who did righteously. God met with those who waited for Him, but they weren't of that kind. They were a sinful people. They were a broken people. They were a people that had turned their back on God. They were a people that weren't even seeking God. They were a people that weren't living for God. The prophet here was lamenting and repenting on behalf of the people of Israel. Because they realized our condition is militating against what we need oh God would you come and meet with us but oh God you can't meet with us for we have unclean hands we are unclean our righteousness is like filthy rags we have turned everyone to our own way there is no one who seeks after God no one is remembering his ways no one is going after him their cry was a reality but so was their condition and the condition that they were in in their sinfulness militated against the cry that they needed answer they needed God to to come and meet with them but they couldn't meet with them because of their condition but that put them in a position to cry again for mercy but now O oh lord and, and I want you to see something in the text notice this notice this the first section talks about God you oh that you would run the heavens and come down that you would come down your presence then notice here in verse 5 you are indeed in for we have sinned so you notice that the cry was to God but the condition was a we so he's crying to God and he's recognizing the condition of the we of the people of God but now he's going to bring them together in 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 a cry for hope in a proclamation of hope, And a call for hope. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father, and we are the clay, and you are our Potter. Notice this. Notice this. And we are are the work of your hand. Notice how, instead of a, the the you and we and the separation that we see in the text in these verses, they they come together in relationship. Oh, oh! you are our father. You are the potter. We are the clay. We are the work of your hands. Now there's relationship. And they appeal to God on behalf of their relationship with him. Oh, that you would come down. And, and they say, but you're the potter. We're the clay. You're our father. Their hope in the midst of their struggle. Their hope in the midst of their trial their cry and their condition led them into this uh into into this um crescendo into the crescendo of hope into the crescendo of hope the the cry of their heart and the condition of their hands brought them into this place where they come to a crescendo of hope in the hands of their god and they recognize two vital relationships That God had with them. If they they were going to find an answer. If they were going to find the answer they were crying for. In spite of their condition. It had to come to a crescendo in their relationship with God. They had to restore a relationship. Because they needed two things from their God. They needed God. They appealed to him as a father. And they appealed to him as a potter. They appealed to him as father. And they appealed to him as potter. Now, Father here speaks of the tenderness and love and care of a parent. Instead of saying, you are our Father. I know that we have a bad condition. But we need you. You are our father. You're our father. You you care for us. We are your children. And you but you're not just father, you're also the potter. A potter here is the recognition of God's control and his sovereignty over their lives and over and, and even in the whole story of history, his sovereignty over all things, and the reality of a recognition that he can shape both their lives and their future however he so desires. And so there's a surrender here. There's a surrender. It comes to a crescendo. The cry and their condition come to a crescendo of surrender. A surrender. They knew that the answer they needed was was militated against by their condition. But if they could surrender to the father, if they could surrender to the potter, they could find what they needed. In God, they found everything that they needed. In them, they found a loving father and a master potter who could shape their lives and change their lives and bring them to where they needed to be. Look at this. Do not be furious, O Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please look, we are your people. We are your people. They were looking to him as their father. They were looking to him as their potter. And they're crying out for a deliverance from sin. They knew they needed him. They needed him to overlook their iniquity. They needed a solution to their problem. They needed him to step down and do something about this sin problem. Oh God, look, look upon us. Look upon us, your people. Don't remember our iniquities, oh God. They were crying out for deliverance. And the answer to their cry is what we celebrate this morning in Advent. Because the answer to their cry was found in the person of Jesus Christ. See, the answer that they needed, both in their temporal situation and in their spiritual condition, that answer was in the Lord Jesus Christ when God did step down. In, in John 1, one, it talks about in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then it talks about how the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. What is that? That is God rending that. Heavens And coming down and dwelling among us in the person of Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, lived a perfect human life, walking on this earth, and went to a bloody cross where he was crucified for our sins, where God transferred upon him the sins of our lives and our iniquities. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5 and 21, where God made him who to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See the cry, their cry for help, despite their sinful condition, came to a crescendo when God, the master potter and the master father, sent his only begotten son to die on a cross, becoming sin for his people. Becoming sin so that they might become the righteousness of God and restoring that relationship so that they could begin to walk with him again. The father of his people and the potter of history had a plan mapped out from before time began to send his son to the womb of a virgin mary he was born of the virgin mary lived on this earth for 33 years before going to a bloody cross where he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god and that he could fulfill his plan through our lives and so we celebrate this morning advent The crescendo of the plan of God is the advent of the Son of God. The crescendo of the plan of God is the advent of the Son of God. Both the first advent and the second advent that we still await. See, the the story of God the story of his rescue is that Christ came first as sacrificial lamb to die for the sins of his people. But he's coming again, not as sacrificial lamb, but as ruined king as the lamb slain riding in on a horse to bring justice, to bring deliverance, to bring restoration. The, the very thing that the people of Israel had been crying for for years and years was answered and was promised. And it came in the person of Jesus Christ. It's coming again when King Jesus steps down from the portals of glory again, stepping down onto earth and saying, enough is enough. I've come to make all things new. He came first to answer their condition. He's coming again to answer their cry. In the crescendo of God's redemptive plan, the the story of God's redemptive plan, Christ came to answer man's condition, dying for our sins, that we might become the righteousness of God. And He's coming again to answer our cries for deliverance. See, friends, we're still in a broken condition. We're still in a world wrecked with sin. We're still in a world where we find ourselves in exile to sin and sickness and disease and brokenness all around us. But in the midst of that, we when we cry out, we have an answer. When we cry, God answers in the person of Jesus Christ. He says, I have an answer for your condition on the bloody cross of Calvary. I have an answer for your cry in the reigning King of kings and Lord of lords who is coming to make all things new. One day we will live Free. We will live whole. We will live righteously. We will live in un, um, unhindered relationship with God. Because in the crescendo of the plan of God, He came with an answer for our cry. And He came with an answer for our condition. In the name of Jesus. In the person of Jesus. This morning we celebrate that. We celebrate the advent. The coming. The first coming to deal with our condition. The second coming to answer our cry. When God's going to bring restoration. Restoring the temple. Restoring the land. Bringing restoration to the people of Israel. And to the people of God. So this morning if you are listening. Maybe you are facing your own situation. You are crying out. You are saying God. All that you would rend the heavens. oh that you would rend the heavens My answer. The hope that we have, the crescendo of the story, is that 2,000 years ago, Christ rendered the heavens through through the virgin womb. He came to deal with our condition. He died on the cross to forgive you of your sin, to offer you a life, eternal life in relationship with the Father and the potter. And He's coming again in the second Advent to answer your cry. To answer the cry for justice. To answer the cry for deliverance. To answer the cry for healing. To answer the cry. He comes as King to heal your body. As King to, to, to defeat your enemies. He comes to bring complete and full deliverance. One day we will, we will live in complete freedom. Why? Because in the crescendo of God's plan is the answer for our cry. And that crescendo is in Jesus Christ. We celebrate this morning that Jesus is the reason for the season and Jesus is the answer for our lives. The answer of our cry and the answer for our condition. We praise Him. We thank Him. So this morning, I don't know where you're at, I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're going through. I just want to remind you that in your cry and in your condition, there's still the crescendo of Jesus ringing through history, saying, I've come to bring healing. I've come to forgive you of your sin. I've come to deliver you. I've come for you. I hear you. I know you. And I've come down to set you free. That cry of your heart that God would reveal himself, he did. That cry of your heart that God would deliver you from your situation, he will. That cry in your heart that needs forgiveness for your sins, he absolutely will. If you'll just call on Him this morning. We celebrate the Advent. The Advent that deals with our condition. The Advent that deals and answers our cry. That is what we celebrate in the hope of the crescendo of our Father and our Potter. The, the Son of God, slain from the foundation of the world, for the sins of the world, coming as King of kings and Lord of lords to make all things new. Let's pray. Father... I thank you this morning for your people, and I thank you this morning for your word. I pray, O oh God, that you would answer the cries of your people, that they would find in Christ the answer that they're looking for, knowing that when they're crying for you to to come down into their situation, you did, you came down with an answer for their condition, and you're coming again with an answer and to answer their cry you've you stepped down in the person of Jesus and you're stepping down again and again to meet our every need to touch our lives to change us to mold us God you're coming and you're coming you've come and you're coming again so we have hope this morning in the coming of Jesus I pray that as we celebrate this Advent season that we would live knowing that the answer to our cries is found in the Christ. The answer to our cries is is found in the cradle They took him to a cross and they gave him a crown. The answer to our cries is the Christ who come to us at Christmas. Be with your people this week. Keep them all safe. Minister to each and every heart in a special way. And we will praise you and thank you for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen